Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the east end of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Yes, we are recording. Hi, everyone. How's it going? Good. It's January. You could tell by the looks on our faces. <laughs> <laughs> the jam. But we still have a lot of fireworks going on, even though it's not 4th of July. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is fireworks in Southampton Village. And with us today is Bill Sutton. Hi, Bill. Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And Joe Shaw is back with us again. Hey, and Joe. Hey, Annette. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. And Brendan O'Reilly's with us. Hi, Brendan. Hi, I'm Brendan. I'm the deputy managing editor. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And today I'm going to let Brendan take over a lot of the setup on this because it's something that I'm a little fuzzy on, and that is regarding the new police chief selection in Southampton Village. This is a position that has not been filled for a while, and it may not be filled for a while longer. And with that, Brendan, can you bring us up to speed on what's happening in village government in terms of this individual? So for more than a year, the village of Southampton has been looking for a permanent police chief. Their previous permanent police chief was Tom Cummings. Uh, He butted heads with Mayor Jesse Warren. His contract ended. They got him out of there. And in this subsequent time, they've had a lieutenant as the acting police chief. To hire somebody, they need that person to pass a civil service exam for police chief. What happened in December was a special meeting was called by the four village trustees without the mayor being on board for it. It wasn't held at Village Hall. It was held at the Southam Cultural Center. We inquired about what the purpose of this special meeting was. We were not told what the purpose of this special meeting was. But of course, when we got there, it was pretty clear because the room had police officers and a couple families of police officers there. The trustees called the meeting to hire who they wanted to be the next village police chief. And it was Anthony Carter, a deputy police commissioner for Suffolk County, who also had a long career with the NYPD. At this meeting, the board voted four to one to offer Carter the job. The mayor was the sole vote against giving the job to Carter. And he went into his reasons for not wanting to give the job to Carter. Uh, He objected to the terms of the contract. He said it was too generous. The bill's trustees said the new chief is going to get paid more than the last permanent chief. And he also agreed to work 20 more days. Uh, Jesse Warren felt that they could have got a better deal than that for village taxpayers. He also had not passed the police chief exam yet. So he would start studying now, be hired in March, take the exam in March, and then he would be essentially provisional until those results came back. He would not only need to pass the exam, but because it's an open competitive exam, he would need to score in one of the top three out of everybody that took the test uh, from throughout the state. To be eligible, there needed to be 10 years of experience in law enforcement and I believe some administrative experience. Can I stop you just for a second, Brendan? Can the salary 
say again, was was he being offered more than the former chief? He was being offered less money. Uh, he would also get, I believe it was $45,000 additional cash any year that he does not go on the village health plan, which is $30,000 for a family, and and also does not get a pension contribution from the village. So in lieu of these benefits, he would be getting additional cash. So it was bringing him up to like $270,000 a year. You know, he would simultaneously be earning whatever he would be getting from his pension. So he'd be pretty comfortable. The taxpayers would get that benefit of not having to contribute to his pension, not having to pay for his health care. And the $30,000 is for a family plan. It's less of it just for an individual. Does it end up being less than Tom Cummings was making at the end? That is what the village administrator said, that they calculated the difference and that it was going to be uh, approximately $150,000 a year in savings compared to what Cummings got when he left. And also consider the fact that the new chief would be working an additional 20 days a year. So uh, instead of accruing a ton of vacation time because he has fewer days on the calendar and gets a lot of vacation to use, by the time Carter left, the idea would be there would be less of a payout of his vacation time. And they were stricter with how vacation time gets paid out than they had been with the previous chief. Got it. So uh, uh, Mayor Warren, among his objections, was that Carter hadn't passed the police chief exam yet. Um, he went on, in addition to his comments at that meeting, he wrote an op-ed for the Southampton Press. He did an interview with the New York Post. So there was a lot of publicity over the fact that the mayor was opposed to this. And the other trustees were upset that he actually saw publicity over this. So you fast forward to the January 12th village board meeting and the trustees went at Jesse Warren and they didn't hold back. They were very upset with um, what Jesse said at the previous meeting, what he wrote in the opt-ed, what he said in interviews. And they felt that it was being very unfair to Carter. And I'm going to play a, a few clips and, you know, it's some of the most vicious board meetings we've ever heard. Uh, I can think of a few other examples, including in Southampton Village, that have been very rough, but I've never seen the entire board line up against the mayor like this. Uh, so let me start with this one. Trustee Roy Stevenson read from a prepared statement at the January 12th meeting. I should also preface this by saying the mayor had asked if anybody had comments about road barriers on Somerset, which has been a point of controversy. And then these comments kind of came out of left field because they were off topic for this part of the meeting. Okay. I'll make one last call. If anyone would like to come forward, please raise your hand. If not, I just wanted to give the board and anyone on the board an opportunity uh, if they would like. They're not obligated to, uh, to respond to any of the comments. For anyone who would like Mr. to, Mr. Mayor, I'd like to make some comments. Not particularly, although I appreciate all the comments that were made this evening. My comments regard a, an issue of perhaps even greater importance to this village, which is the hiring of our new police chief. In a December meeting, this board voted four to one to select Anthony Carter as this village's new police chief. Mayor Warren was the lone dissenting vote. During the board's discussion of Mr. Carter's employment, Mayor Warren offered no reasons for his dissent. And ironically, 
Mayor Warren was the one who brought Deputy Commissioner Carter's resume to our attention as a strong candidate for the position. There was no qualification Mr. Carter lacked, no incident in his exemplary record that was a concern. The mayor offered that Mr. Carter might not finish in the top three of the required civil service exam. And while this is a valid point, it is important to note that any candidate the village would seek to hire, with the exception who's already been a chief in New York State, but not New York City, would also have to pass the civil service test. Since the board's decision to select Mr. Carter, Mayor Warren has made several statements regarding Mr. Carter's hiring, which must be not only rebutted, but, but rebuked because they are false. In his remarks at Captain Hurtow's and Mr. Carter's induction ceremony, Mayor Warren suggested that he wished the police search committee, which was chaired by Trustee Brown, and on which I also served, had done a more thorough job or interviewed more candidates, and that he knew of several, quote, superstar, end quote, candidates he wished we had, been, we had considered. I don't know who the superstars the mayor has in mind, but whoever they are, they did not apply for the job. The fact is, we reviewed every application that met the standards for the position. This included some of the top police professionals in the country, men and women who truly are superstars in policing. We interviewed for hours more than a dozen of the best of these applicants. We were assisted by a professional recruiter. After we further narrowed the field down, we did deep background checks on the candidate finalists. I have nothing but praise for the way Trustee Brown conducted the search committee and the work that was done by my fellow members, Ed Moneypenny and Father Mike Vetrano. That committee could not have done a more exhaustive, fair, and objective search. The mayor also stated that he wished the search committee had considered Southampton Village Police Detective Sergeant Lamison for the position. The fact is, and Mayor Warren was well aware of this, that the position required all applicants to hold at least the rank of lieutenant with preference for captain and above. Mr. Lamison is a fine officer and has served the village with distinction, but since his rank is below lieutenant, the committee could not consider his application or anyone else below the rank of lieutenant. Further, the mayor expressed throughout the hiring process that he would not entertain any candidate from within the department because he wanted to hire a change agent that would enact the recommendations of the Hartnett report. So his comments that Sergeant, Detective Sergeant Lamison should have been considered or that local police experience should have been a requirement are at best disingenuous. In last Sunday's New York Post, there's an article with a headline that attributes to Mayor Warren the statement, New Hampton's police chief, Anthony Carter, didn't deserve the job. The article contains additional information which the Post states was provided by Mayor Warren regarding Mr. Carter's compensation and benefits, calling the package, quote, fat. The fact is, 
Mr. Carter's compensation is on par with the other police chiefs in Suffolk County. <coughs> Mr. Carter's benefits, vacation time, uniform allowance, etc., are in line with the senior police officers he will be supervising. Mr. Carter's total compensation package is $140,000 less than his predecessor, Chief Cummings, and he has agreed to work considerably more days to enable him to provide the highest level of services to the residents of our village. We would be very lucky to have a man of his caliber in our employ, and the support for him expressed by Captain Hertown and the men and women of our department at what should have been a joyous occasion for Deputy Commissioner Carter and his family is much appreciated. I want to take this opportunity to apologize to Mr. Carter for having had the excitement of your hiring to lead the police department of our village tarnished by the mayor's actions. I wouldn't be surprised if you decided to say, shove it, I don't need this BS. But I sincerely hope you won't. Instead, I hope these events will stiffen your resolve to study hard, finish in the top three of the test, and show our mayor how wrong he is. I hope the mayor will make every effort to amend his behavior and attempt to rebuild the loss of trust his actions have caused in order that this board continue to work together on the important issues facing the village in the months ahead. Thank you very much. Thank you, Trustee Stevenson. Um, I just um, so I that was a that was a bit long, but um, you know, obviously, a lot of thought went into that. Uh, it was a very conscious decision. It wasn't spontaneous at all for Roy Stevenson to call out the mayor like that. And he did say that he uh, wrote that alone. He wasn't in consultation with the other trustees. But when you watch the whole meeting and you learn about the press release that came out the following Monday you realize that the other trustees were in fact in agreement with Roy Stevenson. So basically they felt blindsided. They thought that Carter was going to be the pick and that Mayor Jesse Warren sort of derailed it at the last moment. Is that sort of the, the short of it? So that special meeting happened because they were ready to have their pick. Um, they didn't want to wait till the next regular meeting. They wanted to just do it, whether the mayor liked it or not. So the fact that they scheduled that that meeting, um, I'm sure that they knew at that point that the mayor wasn't going to go along with them and vote. And yes. that was the December meeting we're talking about. Is that that's yes. right? Okay. It just seems so odd to me that it was Mayor Warren who brought this um, candidate to the board and then seems to not be so supportive of him. It, well, I, I, I don't want to read too much into that because it says that he forwarded the resume. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that he said, like, this guy's my idea. Oh, I see. Okay. But you know, what I find interesting, Brendan, practically speaking, this police chief was hired for four out of five votes. Um, he had the job. The village signed a contract with him. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because it does get complicated. There was an offer letter to him. There was a vote in December. The vote was that the board intends to hire him months later. In March. They couldn't hire him in December for a start date in March, but what they could do is pass a resolution that says, we will hire you later. There's a, a something in the law 
that says you can't hire somebody too early. Got it. Uh, I, it might have been like a 30 day limit, like he needed to be hired 30 days before he started, not 90 or 120 days before he started. So after being offered the job and accepting the job in December, and then after showing up at a village board meeting on January 12th and giving a speech saying, I'm looking forward to doing the job. The Monday after that Thursday night board meeting, we get a press release from the four village trustees saying Carter is no longer taking the job. So that meant that after a year of searching for a police chief, they're back to the beginning again. But I guess the point I was going to make was he got four out of five votes on the village board for this job. The mayor, with his actions, essentially vetoed this hiring. I mean, you know, he, he by his actions, the practical impact of this was the, the one in the four to one vote ended up getting his way. Uh, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, and, and I can see why it's frustrating for the village board. Um, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Uh, village government, the mayor is, is not, uh, the, the mayor doesn't have that kind of power generally, but what the mayor essentially did was scuttle the, the decision with, with his public statements, right? Is that, is that a fair, fair uh, characterization? Well, in, in a sense, though, I, I mean, if, if Carter hadn't withdrawn, the village board could have pushed ahead with the hire. They voted, you know, the mayor's comments didn't nullify the vote from December. But I think we can all assume that his lack of support led Carter to withdraw. But Carter could have certainly pushed forward and the village board could have certainly pushed forward with it. It's not like he vetoed the decision. But the well was poisoned. Too. I mean, you know. Well, sure. The mayor had suggested that at their January 12th meeting, before they went into public session, they had an executive session. And he said that Carter showed up at the executive session and expressed that he had been assured that the field of candidates who could actually take the civil service exam was going to be narrow. But then when the civil service exam minimum qualifications were posted, it was only 10 years. He has over 20 years of experience. So if they set the bar at 20, there's a lot fewer people who would be in the running than if he sets it at 10. So that could potentially mean that he could spend all this time studying, take the exam in March, give up his county job. And then when the results of the exam come back, he ends up in fourth place or below, he is not eligible for the job because the village must hire one of the top three. And now he would no longer have his county job because he stepped down and he wouldn't have the village job because he didn't score high enough on the exam. But that's that's Jesse's accounting of what happened, right? I mean, the mayor's accounting of what happened. Yes. And, and in Kaylin Riley's article, she asked Mr. Carter about that. And he was pretty confident in his ability to pass the, the test. So I want to point point that out too, that that he kind of denied that that was the reasoning. Was he advocating for a more difficult test? 
It's the same test. There's, I, I believe the exams are identical, but there are two types of tests. There is an open competitive, which means anyone in the state who meets certain qualifications could take the chief's exam. And there is also a promotional exam, which can be offered just to current members of the department. Were they to issue a promotional exam and say, it's just going to be sergeants and up within Southampton Village, it's just going to be lieutenants and up in Southampton Village, then you're talking about like four or five people who are eligible to take that exam because it's promotional and it's much easier to get into the top three. Because Carter is not a member of the Southampton Village Police at this time, he can't take a promotional exam. So the, the 10 years... Who set that, Brendan? Was it the mayor? Was it the the village board? Who made that ruling? When we've looked into this, including when we looked into it during the previous exam that was offered for police chief, when only three people passed and none of them were a, a good fit for the village, there was a question of, well, why can't the current detective sergeant in the village take the exam? Why is he told that he's ineligible? And at the time, the mayor said, civil service comes up with those requirements, the village board doesn't. But we also observed that somebody who was no longer on the police force, who had held the highest rank of sergeant, was able to take the exam. So why would a current detective sergeant not be able to take it? Civil service didn't really give us a satisfactory or clear answer about whether the village set this threshold or, or civil service itself did. And that happened again with this latest exam that we don't have there's disagreement over who came up with the terms local support comes from the law firm of toomey latham shea kelly dubin and Raro. in these trying times working full-time for their clients and the public interest providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel be well advised sufficlaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books, independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. So, so let me ask you this, Brendan, and and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, and this this is fully just a matter of interpretation and in, in your opinion. Why did the chief not take the job? Then is he angry at the mayor? Is it because of the the? I mean, can we figure out? What caused Anthony Carter to change his mind? Can Has he been clear about what it was that really changed his mind? So I spoke with Anthony Carter, and what he said was he discussed this with his family. They were supportive. If he wanted to do that, they would support him. If he didn't, they, they would support him. But he said, well, I discussed this with my family, and we came to the conclusion that this was not the right time at this stage in my career. If you think about it, if you have... Uh, you know, a pretty good job with the county and you have an option to shift to another job where the leader of the municipality that you were going to be working for does not support you being there. Does that feel like a good move? It starts to look a lot less attractive. I, I, I don't think I would take that job. 
you're training, training a sure thing for a possible very difficult situation. So there again, it, it feels like the mayor essentially was able to veto this hire. That's the, the practical, uh, by his actions, he was able to, to stop a four vote uh, majority from, from making this hire. I think if the mayor was on board, if there was a, if there was a 5-0 village board that said, yes, we want Anthony Carter in this position, I am pretty confident that Anthony Carter would have said, yeah, I'm going to study my ass off and I'm going to get in the top three of that civil service exam. So I wonder, I mean, I don't, do you think that there might be other candidates within the department who Mayor Warren is more keen to see? Like, it seems to me if they had to go, if they went outside and to to look for someone like Carter, that they weren't satisfied there was somebody within the department who would fill the shoes adequately. You know, right before the search began, Tom Cummings left before he wanted to. He would have easily stayed another three years, but he didn't have the support of Jesse Warren either. So he was out um, and he got, you know, excoriated on the back end for how large his pension was going to be and how much his his uh, his accumulated sick time and accumulated vacation time payout was. So, you know, he it, it was not very comfortable for him to leave. And even after he was gone, he was still getting uh, criticized by Jesse Warren. So it was rather uncomfortable. But as he was leaving, the captain retired. So had the captain stuck around, sometimes it's obvious, oh, the chief left, now we can move up the captain. But the captain had retired at that point. So you were really only left with uh, two lieutenants and perhaps somebody who had been a sergeant or detective sergeant, as the case may be. So it's a small department and you're talking like between 30 and 40, I think, I think 35, like it's not like there's a lot of choices to mm-hmm. uh, pick from within the department itself. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I kind of find confounding that after all of this work and background checks of Carter, that um, Mayor Warren would be so vocal in giving the candidate a difficult time when there's not a lot of other candidates that appear to be waiting in the wings at this point. And it makes it a lot less attractive a job now, I think, for for anybody who's being considered. So, so Brendan, one element of this story that we, we touched on, but we haven't really talked about, is the press release that came out on the Monday after this meeting uh, where Roy Stevenson stood up and made his statement. And I, I don't want to tend toward hyperbole here. But the, the press release that was issued by the village trustees announcing that Anthony Carter was not going to take the job was, was remarkable, I thought. I don't know that I've ever seen an official press release uh, from a government body that was that pointed and that personal. It really did single out Mayor Jesse Warren uh, as the reason and, and, and really went after him hard, didn't it? It was remarkable, as you say. Um, and it was a bit of a surprise because at that January 12th meeting, 
Carter spoke. He got up there and he had the union president from the police department and the VP there. He had a couple other officers there surrounding him as he gave the speech. And he said, I'm looking forward to this. I toured the village. The Southampton Village Police Department is the Yankees and of I'm the Hamptons. Say, just after one day with them, this is this is the Yankees of the Hamptons as far as police departments go. So I really want to commend you guys and girls for the work that you do. Uh, and I appreciate you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to support you to make sure that you have the resources you need, the equipment you need, the tools that you need, and the training you need to do the job to serve these people that deserve to be served the way that they should be. He, he stood up there on a Thursday and said, I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. The board said, we're looking forward to it. The board said, we're confident you're going to prove the mayor wrong and that you deserve this. Monday rolls along. Monday was a federal holiday when Village Hall was closed. And at 9 a.m., the village administrator, um, on her day off, as far as I know, sends a press release that says it's from the trustees. And by trustees, it literally means the four trustees, not the entire board of trustees, which would include the mayor. Just the four trustees and it said Carter is no longer taking the job and it is Mayor Jesse Warren's fault. I'm going to read from the press release. I'm going to be skipping past uh, some of the things. Um, so these four paragraphs I'm going to read are not, they're in the correct order, but I am skipping ahead just to be clear. So from the press release uh, drafted by the four trustees, this outcome was the result of actions taken by Mayor Warren, which reflect poorly upon him and are not representative of the feelings and actions of the trustees or the Southampton community at large, which embraced Commissioner Carter and looked forward to his leadership of our department. Throughout our search, Mayor Warren expressed his intention to find a candidate who would accede to his wishes with blind loyalty to him irrespective of the wisdom or propriety of the mayor's position on a given subject. While the trustees are saddened by the treatment and remarks that Deputy Commissioner Carter received by the mayor, we are grateful that he is fully aware that the inappropriate behavior and negative comments are solely the views and actions of the mayor. Since the chief's position is an appointment by the village trustees rather than the mayor, his role in future efforts to fill this position will be limited to the minimum extent permitted by law. That step is necessary to avoid any further harm or improper conduct by the mayor, at least in this area. Other recent actions by Mayor Warren, which are detrimental to the best interests of the village and its residents, will be addressed at a future date. That's stunning. Uh, the language Oof. in that is really stunning. Yeah. And I wonder, does this mean that this board can get anything done at this point with that kind of- I got four votes. They, yeah, they could do almost anything they want. There are certain positions that are mayoral appointments that have to be approved by the board. And I believe that's like uh, perhaps the village clerk, for example. But when it comes to the chief of police, uh, just as they had attempted to do in December, they can do uh, an end run around the mayor and hire whoever they want. Yeah, well, I guess my point is you're gonna see a lot of, it probably interesting fireworky meetings going forward, I'm guessing. Um, what, what What's surprising about this too, Brendan, correct me if I'm wrong, with the last election, Mayor Jesse Warren, his 
party, you know, obviously at the village level, the parties are, are very small uh, sort of ad hoc parties, but his party holds all of the seats on that board, correct? So it's not as easy as that because not everybody actually affiliated with the same party. I, I believe during the last election, uh, when Gina and Bill Manger were running, uh, Gina Aresta was running for re-election. Bill Manger was running to come back on the board after a long absence. They were not on the same party together, as far as I remember. However, the thought was that they were more sympathetic to Jesse Warren than uh, the other incumbent on the board, who was Joe McLaughlin, who was running for re-election. He got elected onto that board on a, a ticket with Deputy Mayor Gina Resta, and they were sympathetic to Jesse Warren and his agenda at the time. They were on the same team. Uh, the year after they were elected, Robin Brown joined the board, Roy Stevenson joined the board. But what happened was Joe McLaughlin ended up being in this minority where it was four to one against him often. He had an idea. They didn't want to hear it. They wanted to do something. He said, we should give it uh, more time and consideration. Maybe we should amend it. They didn't want to hear it. They ran roughshod over him and it was a four one board lined up against Joe McLaughlin. So even though he started on the mayor's team, he disagreed with the mayor about a couple things. And after that, the way that Joe put it is he was, he was completely on the outs. He would ask for information. He wouldn't get it. Uh, the board would make decisions or put things on the agenda that he would have no clue that they were planning on. So Joe's off the board. Bill Manger comes in. And now in a few months, we've seen it develop where now Jesse is in Joe McLaughlin's position. You have four people who are against him. Um, if they want to do something and he says, let's tap the brakes, they say no. If he wants to do something quickly, they say, we want more time. He kind of has gone from being somebody who is calling out Joe and disagreeing with Joe and pushing him aside to now being in the exact position that Joe McLaughlin had been in a year ago. This is Catherine Manu, and I'm the editor of the Sag Harbor Express and co-publisher with my husband, Gavin, of the Express News Group. Local community news matters more than ever, with misinformation spreading constantly across the internet. We live in the communities we cover. We are your neighbors, your friends, your family. We tell the good stories and, unfortunately, the bad. We focus on your triumphs and losses. But we can't do this without our subscribers. To subscribe, please visit 27east.com slash subscribe. And thank you for your support. It's 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 an amazing reversal of fortunes because I, I think we sort of felt like Jesse Warren was consolidating his power. Um, and now suddenly um, he is persona non grata on yeah. his own board. Uh, and, and it seems like the four trustees are pretty well aligned. Uh, so are, are we overstating that, though, Brendan? Is it just on this topic or does this spill over? There have been other things like uh, he introduced legislation where he wanted to set a public hearing so they could have a law that says if there's a bank and storefront that the owners of the building need to register it. And it would be maybe a hundred dollar fee per year or per registration to register the fact that they're vacant. But then if they don't actually register, 
then the village could go prosecute them for failing to register or at least find them for failing to register. And that was a way to essentially penalize people who had vacant storefronts and were ignoring the village. If all you did was register, you wouldn't get penalized besides that registration fee. But if you decided that you just were going to ignore the village's authority and not even register, then the village could fine you more severely. And that was the plan to uh, penalize places that had just been sitting empty and kind of dragging down the village by refusing to put a tenant in their place. He wanted to do that immediately. And we saw the rest of the board not want to move in on it as quickly as he did. He said, well, why don't we just pass this? We could always revise it later. And they're like, no, no, no. Like they would not give him his way. And we saw it flare up too with, uh, it was at that same meeting, I think, there was a move to change the freedom of information law process at the village level, right? So at the January 12th meeting where Roy Stevenson read that prepared statement, where Anthony Carter showed up and spoke and said, I'm going to take this job and I'm looking forward to it. They, the village trustees introduced surprise legislation that wasn't on the agenda, or I shouldn't say legislation, a resolution to remove the mayor as the the Freedom of Information Law Appeals Officer. So instead of it just being the mayor, the entire board would be the appeals officer. So Mayor Warren would still get to make these decisions, but with four other people and majority would rule. Under the village code, the mayor gets to be the FOIL appeals officer. And that means if somebody files a Freedom of Information Law request to the village and they send it to the village clerk, and the village clerk says, sorry, we're not going to fulfill your request for these reasons. That person has an opportunity to, to appeal. And then it gets sent to the mayor's desk who can say yes or no. The idea is that they wanted to remove him because somebody apparently had filed a FOIL request to the village for the names and I think applications and resumes of everybody else who had applied for the police chief job. Ah. That person's request was turned down and the thought was that it was going to be appealed. It was going to show up on the mayor's desk. And they were afraid that the mayor was going to fulfill that request. Had they done it, they said it would have been an invasion of privacy and nobody else would ever apply to the village again if they knew that the fact that they applied was just going to be put out there. It's embarrassing to people when they apply for a job and they don't get it. Or maybe they have another job someplace else and they don't want their current employer knowing that they are looking for a different position that they may or may not get. So they made a pretty big mistake, though, because they just introduced a resolution to change the village code. And that's not how things work. If you want to change the village code, you need to pass a local law and you can't pass a local law until you've had a public hearing, which has been publicly noticed. So they were not able to push that through at that meeting, but they were able to schedule a public hearing. They only scheduled that public hearing after they went into executive session again to discuss it with a village attorney and came back out and scheduled the hearing. But that was only after some discussion. I want to play you another clip now from the meeting where it once again got heated. Uh, the, discussion. the reason that the board moved so quickly to enact this change to the code is because we were incredibly concerned as a board that certain information which had been provided to the board uh, during the search for the new police chief, which was highly confidential, and which had been promised to the applicants of the police chief search was confidential, had been foiled, 
and it appeared that the mayor might grant the appeal to distribute this information, which would be a great violation of the trust that the applicants to the job of police chief put in this village that their applications would remain confidential. That is the reason the board adopted this unusual step of moving so quickly to try and prevent this from happening. And that is the reason that this was done. So you are in fact saying the reason is to deny the public of information that is rightfully theirs. Job applications are confidential. Any applicant for the job of police chief who had a job with another organization would not that want the data that they're applying for a different job to be made public. This is personal information, and I believe Attorney Toomey would back me. And then the mayor immediately turned around on him and say, so you want to hold back information from the public that is rightfully theirs, which is clearly not what Roy was saying. Roy Stevenson was saying confidential information, confidential information, confidential information. So, you know, we went from earlier where Roy was giving that uh, pretty fierce, however, not very aggressive speech because he was reading off of paper and he was very composed. And now at this portion of the meeting, uh, things were off the cuff and getting heated. This is a second portion of that conversation. General, my philosophy is that when the Board of Trustees does something, it becomes a public document. Even a text message you might send in a public meeting is a public document. The notes you write are public documents. Emails you send are public documents. Uh, everything is subject to FOIL. Uh, and, so, uh, and so there are very few exceptions. Uh, and obviously, if I were to make a decision, I would clearly consult with the village attorney and abide by what the village attorney would say. I mean, clearly, if it's a, a request for invasive uh, uh, invasion of privacy, I've obviously denied uh, FOILs in the past that are invasion of privacy. But ultimately, um, you know, I, I, I can't make it more clear to the public that almost everything that we do is, is public. And, and, and we work for the public and the taxpayers, and therefore the information that the public has that, that we produce is the property of the publics. It is not the property, which is why I urge everyone to be very careful with what you send, because ultimately what you do is the public. Even if you're texting an attorney um, who, who is not a vote attorney during a, during a meeting, you're creating a public document, and that is subject to FOIL, and there's no way around that. Um, Mr. Chimney, can you... So the mayor is correct on a lot of these points. Yes, if you were sending text messages at a meeting, if you're taking notes at a meeting and you're a village trustee, these things can all be subject to the freedom of information law. Uh, he asked the village attorney to weigh in. The village attorney said, it's hard for me to make a recommendation or a determination about a freedom of information law appeal that I haven't actually seen yet. But I asked the New York State Committee on Open Government, which is a you know actual government agency, what they believe. And they sent me an opinion that I believe was 20 years old where it said, if people apply for a job, their names and identifying information are not subject to FOIL. They fall, on, uh, they fall under an invasion of per personal privacy. So there was some question of, well, can I just ask for the resumes and the applications, but you take the names off? Mm -hmm. It's not as easy as that, because if you take the name off, but it says current job, chief of police in a certain village or a certain town, well, everybody could figure out the identity of that person. It's no mystery. Right. So Roy Stevenson was correct about being confidential. Sure, there's ways where you could take off a ton of identifying information until you um, have a document that 
doesn't let you figure out who applied, but those documents aren't going to be very helpful to the person seeking information. To, to be clear to people out there who may not be as familiar with uh, access to records and things like that, I mean, the point is that one of the things that's accepted, accepted with an E from that rule is personnel matters. But the point here is these aren't people who work for the village. They applied for a job. They're not personnel at that point, right? So it's not as simple as just looking at the personnel rule. This is sort of its own thing. And it, it may well be that releasing people's names and identifying information is just a violation of their privacy and, and that would come outside the open records law. That's what it comes down to. It, with the repeal of 50A in the past couple of years, which is often talk about how it affects police, but it actually affects all employees and municipalities, certain personnel records like discipline, disciplinary records became available to the public. They were no longer shielded. As long as those um, records and investigations were substantiated, they should be released under the Freedom of Information Law. And that was repealed so there could be more accountability of police, but also municipal employees in general. 50A repeal applies to current personnel and getting their personnel records available under the Freedom of Information Law. When you're talking about somebody who applies for a job and is never hired, 50A repeal doesn't help the person seeking that information because you don't have a personnel jacket for somebody who never got hired. But it, it's important, the, the portion of that conversation where Jesse Warren said, I would listen to the village attorney. So when there is a FOIL appeal, it doesn't just get emailed to Jesse Warren's desk. They CC the village attorney and the village attorney will weigh in and say, here's my opinion. The mayor doesn't necessarily need to listen to the village attorney's opinion, but as he said, well, I would, I would adhere to what the village attorney says. You know, why would I expose the, the, these, this is me expressing his reasoning, not his own words, but why would you expose the village to being sued for revealing information after the attorney already said, don't reveal this. So I'm sure ultimately he would not have revealed the information that the trustees feared he would reveal because the village attorney would say, no, you can't do this. But what's what's even more interesting here is just the dynamic at play that the village board felt compelled to take action to try and stop him from doing something that they were worried he was going to do. So I'm going to play the, the last clip I have prepared here. This is trustee Bill Manger. So at this point, so Jesse, just let me understand though, why would you not want the advice and counsel of four other individuals when it comes to a FOIL request appeal. It only happens when it's on appeal. Why would you not want to come to the board and ask for our thoughts and advice on this? Why do you want to make this decision in isolation? Because the law is the law. But and, and, yeah, and, you heard, and it's crystal clear. clear. No, no, that's not shoulders. a good enough excuse, Jesse. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. it, it, it kind of takes the burden off your shoulders for being uh, the sole person. So you can kind of get the sense that the, the trustees and the mayor are, are fed up with each other. Um, you know, Jesse has a point that the law does say what the law says, but Bill has a point that laws can be changed. Uh, and as long as the laws are changed by the proper process of having an actual public hearing and legislation, they have the right to change that law. It's a battle of wills going on right now. 
I mean, that's what that's what this all comes down to is it's just it really is the, the mayor's will and 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 the board's wills and they're just not aligned right now and and they're just both they're all digging in their heels you know it it when you're immersed in it like we are sometimes it's helpful just to take a step back and and talk about the the how unusual this is I, you know i i will i will say something that might be surprising which is i think this is actually fairly healthy because it's disagreements that are taking place in public and, and public business should be conducted in public. These, these conversations are very much important to people who live in Southampton Village and they're seeing them take place in front of them. I think that's healthy for a board to do that. And, and so to a certain extent, I commend both sides for being willing to do this in public, even though it's a little uncomfortable and it doesn't make anybody look real good. At the same time, it's a mess. I mean, it, 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 you know, the, the village government right now is, is not operating uh, on the same page and, and that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways moving forward. So what's next, Brendan? Is there anything else on the agenda as far as this board, this board getting together and talking more about what's going on? So as far as the police chief search goes, you have the trustees say in their statement, that they are going to minimize the mayor's role as much as they can under law. But then you have the mayor saying, going forward, I'm going to take the lead on this. I'm not going to delegate. So he's not intending on having a police chief search committee again. He's intending on leading this initiative. But you have four trustees that say, no, you're not. I think that's a perfect way to end this podcast. <laughs> that dispute is going to be fascinating to see how it gets worked out it's going to be fun to watch well interesting to watch i shouldn't say fun Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts. 